Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I'm your host, songwriter Matt Targa. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today is a musician hailing from Atlanta, Georgia. He is one Corey Welsh. Corey is a producer, songwriter, guitarist, and music director. He loves walking his dog, binging reruns of the NBC show Parks and Recreation, and he also cringes at bad grammar. Corey Welsh's authenticity and strength thread back to the age of 13 when he crafted his first song, and once completed, his voice was his guitar and songwriting his second language. Every verse and chorus today still speaks from this honest outlet of his emotional self, and though each song from start to finish now bears a lifetime's weight, Corey helps his audience escape worry and brooding through pop sentiment. When plugged in, he and his band navigate a swaying, blues-induced alt-rock genre and dip into pure, young Americana, styles he maintains in his organic, solo acoustic setting. Atlanta's stages are Corey's home, and expect dates in metro areas, too, where he's climbed to equal popularity with warm welcome. Talk to Corey, and you won't find a more compassionate individual impassioned musician, obsessed gear junkie, or plain old friend. For our conversation today, we'll be discussing Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life. Songs in the Key of Life is certified diamond by the Recording Industry Association of America. It won Album of the Year at the 19th Annual Grammy Awards, the best-selling and most critically acclaimed album of Wonder's career. 2003, it was ranked number 57 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time, and in 2005, it was inducted into the National Recording Registry by the Library of Congress. The different studios in which Songs in the Key of Life was recorded in include Crystal Sound in Hollywood, California, The Record Plant in Los Angeles, Record Plant in Sausalito, as well as The Hit Factory in New York City. Herbie Hancock is prominently featured on some percussive hand claps and keyboards. John Fishback produced, engineered, and supplied some programming for the record. And Songs in the Key of Life is found on Motown Records. Without further delay, let's get to know Corey Welsh and Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life. Corey, it's really great to catch up with you today. Thanks for making some time to come on the program here. Man, thank you so much for having me on here. I'm super excited to catch up. I'm super excited to talk about... Stevie Wonder, just in general, but yeah. this album in particular. Yes, let's talk about it. This is Stevie Wonder's bicentennial effort, "Songs in the Key of Life." What um, what was the catalyst for you in choosing this record? Uh, so I have always been a huge Motown fan in general, and I've always been connected to R and B ever since I started listening to the Rolling Stones back when I was a kid, uh, and uh, other other rock and roll that actually had Motown influence, heavily Motown influence. And then I heard Stevie wonder, uh, actually, I think I didn't even hear this album first from him. I think I heard the album that featured, um, superstition 
And being a big, big, big blues fan, it was actually C.B. Ray Vaughn, his cover of Superstition that introduced me to um, Stevie Wonder. And I picked up this album and just absolutely fell in love with the sound and the emotion and the story that it told. It's a gorgeous record. Uh, You you find jazz, you find R&B. Like you said, you you, you find some elements of blues as well. It's... um, it's it's passionate it's it, it just genuinely makes you feel good um stevie wonder's the lead singer of course uh can you tell our listeners who some of the additional musicians and, and players that appear on songs in the key of life yeah so obviously as you said herbie hancock was featured in some hand claps and some fender road sounds uh, you have a smorgasbord. I like that word. <laughs> I haven't used that word until now in like years, but I like that word. You have a smorgasbord of incredible musicians that are featured throughout um, throughout this album. Uh, notably, Stevie Wonder was a key element. He played a lot of the instruments himself too. Um, you had I think Michael. Cymbelio on guitar. Uh, you had Sneaky Pete uh, Kleinow on the pedal steel. And I found that incredibly interesting that they actually have a pedal steel featured through some of this album. Um, it's just, it's so dynamically written musically that you can't escape the fact that you're right. It touches on jazz. It touches on um, pop it touches rock and blues it touches a little of that americana vibe with some of the uh the keyboards and the the steel guitar um but herbie hancock is obviously one of the more notable musicians that is featured throughout this album everybody else was all through the motown world uh playing on everybody's records uh like ronnie foster on organ and dean parks on guitar who was a big r&b big guy back in the day um you've got uh, you've got flute players with bobby humphrey you got other guitar players howard uh fighting and george benson um and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, who did George Benson play with? Um, I think he played with Miles Davis. I believe you are absolutely right. I believe he did. He's. I think he's still doing some stuff too, even to today. Yeah. yeah. One one other artist that is you know featured throughout this record is Nathan Watts on bass guitar, and just from. You know, yes. doing a little bit of investigative research on Nathan, he has been Stevie Wonder's bassist since 1974. Stevie's first bassist yes. left to join a, a project that I believe is still kicking around today called Rare Earth. But in, in in any case here, Nathan has been a real mainstay for Stevie Wonder and his his Fender P bass or Fender Precision bass is, is all over the place. But 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 what was really you know interesting is that he may have written some bass parts that were later reinterpreted by Stevie Wonder in, yeah. in his in his bass sense. Is that is that correct? Uh, yes. And did you know that he's actually um, or he has served since '94 uh, as Stevie Wonder's musical director? It's incredible, right? the longevity for that, you know, that is a, 
that's like, I mean, we know this as musicians. That is, uh, that is a long-term relationship. It is. And I think you and I as musicians know very well that, uh, the, the people that we play with, the people that, um, we carry around with us musically become some of our longest best friends. Um, and I mean, that, that's a testament. We see Nathan Watts as a testament to, to that. Most definitely, you know, you, you know, whenever you present something you're really passionate about, whether it's your, your craft or a literary idea, whatever it might be, um, you, you want to surround yourself with people that, you know, of course appreciate your art, but the people that, you know, you, you value and trust their opinions. Absolutely. So can you describe for our listeners here where you first experienced songs in the key of life? Was it FM radio? Did you have that, you know, that, that friend or kid brother that, you know, that, that turned you onto this record? Like how did, how did this come about? How did you, you know, how did it, how did, you know, you find it and it get you? I, I would, I always kind of say that this, this album found me. Um, I am obviously this is this is before my time, but I think music is timeless and and it touches everybody in a different way of all generations. Uh, So I had been turned on to Stevie Wonder in general, but I'm a big John Mayer fan, which that is a completely uh, other podcast. Um, But I was I think I was. I think he may, it, it was either live or I was watching. Um, no, he, he actually, he was talking about it in an interview about songs in the key of life. And I was like, Oh, Stevie wonder. I don't know if I've actually listened to any. And I recognized some of the songs like, isn't she lovely and Sir Duke. And I just didn't put it together until then that that was the album songs in the key of life was the album. And it then introduced me into loves in need of love today, which is one of my all time favorite songs of any album. And mm-hmm. it introduced me to, I wish and as in some of the other like iconic songs from that album. So it was really John Mayer that turned me on to the album that I had heard several songs from, but <laughs> didn't really put two and two together until yeah. then. This feels like a really nice natural segue here into talking about various tracks on this album. You know, we we, we can talk about whether or not this record, you know, was a, a continuum of a sound that Stevie and the gang were, were were building upon. But the first track here on this record is "Love's in Need of Love Today." Uh, one little lyric that stuck out for me was "Don't delay, send yours in right away." And, you know, we'll find, you know, throughout this record that, you know, so many of these songs, Corey, I mean, they clock in well over six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes in some cases. Like there are there are so many confines today, you know, with FM and, you know, in some cases, AM radio, Um, you know, there there was there was a, uh, a thirst for full length records. There was a thirst for just, you know, really. uh uh, you know, epic pieces of music and instrumentation. Uh, this song clocks in at seven minutes and 10 seconds. Um, how does this song speak to you? Yeah, this is, uh, this was, I think this song itself was crucial in my life uh, in a lot of ways. Um, 
and it still speaks volumes to the state of our world today. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it kind of it, it paints a picture of society as a whole, and and actually says that you know it's like we need to come together. Um, so I think that's what's the most amazing about it is that he wrote it in 1976 mm-hmm. or, or it released in 1976 and, uh, and it's, and it spoke just as loudly then the message spoke just as loudly then as it does today. Yeah. I, I wonder if some of the song, uh, too, was a reaction to, uh, the culmination, so to speak, of the Vietnam War ending in April of the previous year, 1975. Right. Um, perhaps this was something that that informed this song too, since you know the, the the timing, if you will, of the release was so close to the ending of a very a very critical war in world history. Absolutely. We're talking with my friend Corey Welsh here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, and uh, we are delving into Stevie Wonder's songs in the key of life. Uh, Corey, what are some of your other favorite tracks on this album? Oh man, there are so many. Uh, Sir Duke is timeless to me. I wish knocks me off my feet. Um, I love, isn't she lovely because he wrote it about his newborn daughter. Yeah. Um, you hear, you hear his baby crying for the first 30 seconds in that song. Exactly. I never heard, I've only heard like the FM cut where that's, you know, for whatever reason, you know, well, that just, that, out, that yeah. gets edited out. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't understand. I mean, isn't she lovely? Well, it is a six and a half minute song. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's six and a half minutes of like pureness and his emotion. Yes. Yes. This is one of these tracks where Stevie Wonder, you know, you mentioned, plays almost every instrument on here, uh, you know, with the exception of some keyboards supplied by Craig Phil and Janus or Craig Phil and uh, Gannis. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that. Um, but it's it, it's almost a duo with uh, uh, Stevie playing the role of mad scientist, if you will, with you know yeah. percussion and harmonica, you know. He added some bass synthesizer, which could have been, you know, some of uh, Nathan's parts that he contributed. Um, but this is this is such a great collaboration. Um, you know, years and years later, this song was performed at Queen Elizabeth II's Diamond Jubilee concert back in 2012, which seems like yeah. ages yeah. ago. Oh my gosh! Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? Who else uh, collaborated on this song? I believe uh, uh, Bunny Jones. Uh, I think, you know, you know, helped uh, with some of the lyrics too. relatively uh, famous uh, songwriter from Harlem, New York. So this was uh, there's there's really an all star cast that that you will find as the listener throughout this whole record. Absolutely. So we've got Isn't She Lovely? We've 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 spoken about um, (laughs) the love song. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Love and love's in need of love today. what other tracks do you dig on here? Oh man, um, you got Sir Duke. Uh, so okay, so what's amazing? Actually, cool story with another amazing song, uh, "Pastime Paradise." Um, so we know we we obviously know "Pastime Paradise" as, as Stevie Wonder's original, but um, "Ghetto Paradise" was mm-hmm. written by Coolio in the '90s, and he he bought the sample. 
he licensed the sample from Stevie Wonder's team. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the song and he played it for Stevie Wonder at first. And he had some uh he had some uh cursing in it. And Stevie Wonder didn't like the cursing. And so in respect, Coolio pulled the cursing out and rewrote some of the lyrics and resent it to Stevie Wonder, and Stevie Wonder absolutely adored it. And that's how we got Coolio's Ghetto Paradise. Wow. That is a that is a fun fact out there. Um, wasn't the song that, that Coolio reinterpreted, wasn't that uh, part of the Dangerous Mind soundtrack? Yeah, That movie with Michelle oh Pfeiffer, gosh. right? Yeah. Dude, you're dating both of us right now. <laughs> I know, I know. This isn't something I, you know figured out you know through the internet so i was i was there oh yeah i (laughs) remember watching it yes absolutely there was a hari krishna west angeles church choir that supplied background vocals on this particular song and it has a real like kind of cool bossa nova beat from what i recall yeah um that's just it's very moody which it gives it a um it gives it that like that darker vibe which i thought was super rad yes Definitely. Uh, let's see. What other songs shall we discuss here? You were in the driver's seat. Oh, man. There's a, <laughs> you know, like we could take a couple of hours just like break down like the, the tapestry that's painted from every uh, every piece of music. I know. Uh, this album, I mean, you've got, um, you've got Sir Duke with that, like, that timeless bass line. Uh, I know a man Watts can throw down. Like, <laughs> yes, that, yes. That dude, that dude can play. Um, so you got you got Sir Duke, which uh, Mike Sembel as a guitarist. I always kind of follow a lot of the guitar, and you had Michael Sembello, um featured on lead guitar on that one. And I'm trying to remember he was a working musician. Um. And it's really mostly known for Stevie Wonder, but he wrote Carousel, but he's a songwriter and wrote Carousel, which Michael Jackson actually recorded for Thriller. Okay. Um, But that song was actually replaced uh, on the track list by Human Nature. Oh, interesting. So it became a bonus track on uh, the 25th anniversary uh, edition of Thriller. Um, so Sembello has been kind of all across the board with, uh, a number of iconic, um, like monster musicians, monster songwriters and artists. There are a lot of joyful trumpets and saxophones in this track. Yeah. The horn section is absolutely disgusting. Good. (laughs) Yeah. And Stevie's Stevie. This is one of those tunes on this record where he's like, He's crooning quite a bit, you know, especially in the chorus. Oh yeah, which was yeah, which was really just neat to hear. Some some really nice moments there, and uh, one lyric in particular that stuck out for me. And I hope I'm not, uh, you know, butchering this too much. But you know, he sings just because a record has a groove doesn't mean it has a groove. I love that. Right? Isn't that isn't that just like a cool turn of phrase? Oh my gosh, it is so. It is so cool how he he wove that in and actually spoke emotionally to records in general. Yeah. Um, 
but it's funny. I, I know it's like the the mind of Stevie Wonder had to have been like as he's as he's writing that line, as he's singing that line. He knows he goes, but but this record has a groove. <laughs> yes, because this doesn't apply to what I'm singing right now. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. He 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 took that uh, that idea that principle real seriously because this. This album, Songs in the Key of Life, is uh, certainly not short of any, you know, grooves. That's, oh, absolutely. That, that's for sure. I mean, I think I think the uh, A1 priority here was to make people boogie. Oh, oh, absolutely. What's incredible to me is Wonder wrote the majority of this album. Um, in fact, I think there's only one song that he co-wrote melody and lyrics with. Oh really? Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I mean, this is this is four sides of just a, an astonishing amount of music. I mean, sometimes you know you think that you know it, you know, quality is better than quantity. Stevie has provided this and then some. I mean, absolutely. It's you know. Oh, here's here's a little fun little factoid. So you know that song, "Ordinary Pain." That's kind of towards the tail end of the second side, sort of that that ballad track. That's oh gosh, I think it I think it approaches over eight minutes. It's it's a ballad, and then like halfway through comes like this, you know, just the funkiness that's pervasive throughout this record. The one of the female vocalists on this track is a woman by the name of Minnie Julia Ripperton Rudolph, and that name might somehow you know ring a couple of bells in your head because. She is the late mother of Saturday Night Live superstar alumnus Maya Rudolph. Really? Yeah. So awesome. She, so so Minnie, uh, Maya's mother, she she had quite a career uh, back in the '60s, and then you know she decided to put music down for a little while, raise a family, and then she had a demo that was discovered by some record label. I think it might have been Epic Records, and they they re-signed her and they released this single called Loving You. And Minnie was famous for what's I, I believe called a five octave uh coloratura soprano range. And wow. it's yeah, it's it's uh she was known as the queen of the whistle register. So, you know, in, in thinking about like, you know, just you know, octave upon octave upon octave, um, when you think back to some of Maya Rudolph's famous sketches where she pretended to be or imitated uh uh, say Whitney Houston and she, you know, she, all of a sudden her, her voice would go, da, 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 you know, it would just go up and up and up. Maya, you know, the, the, the musical, you know, prowess, you know, the apple didn't fall too far from the tree. Are there any other songs here that jump out at you? Um, you know, before we started, uh, before we hit the play button here, we talked about a little bit about how this album, it took about two years to mix. There were some some delays in the mixing process, and Stevie Wonder rewarded his fans not just with this just beautiful array of music and four sides, but he decided to release uh, a, a double seven inch, four additional cuts on here that you know really really hold their own. There's just a lot of fluidity. You know, it's just really it's it, it continues to bring the funk. It continues to just bring the soulfulness that Stevie Wonder is famous for. And uh uh incidentally there's a, a guy named uh, Snuffy Walden who is a yes. yeah he played some yeah. lead guitar on the track All Day Sucker. 
So that is a song that that song. I love that song because it speaks to the funkiness of who Stevie wonder is musically too. Cause I think deep down inside, like all of that, like Motown and funk, yeah. um, really, really, really show in all day sucker was, is, is an incredible track. Yeah. For those who don't know who WG snuffy Walden is, he, these days and, and for decades, he has been a notable TV show composer. Some awards that he's uh, won for various TV shows include 30 something, uh, the West wing, the wonder yeah. years, Sports night, so he, he obviously has an Aaron Sorkin uh, connection there, as well as Felicity from uh, back in the mid nineties. So he's uh, yeah. he, he's yeah. quite the he, he's quite the uh, prolific uh, lead guitar player and <laughs> decorated with awards for his work. Absolutely, Corey. How does this record uh, continue to inform and inspire your playing? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think. I think this record inspires me to be a better human being it, which in, which in turn inspires me to be a better musician, yeah. a better songwriter. Um, because this song tells stories, this song tells stories of, uh, you know, I mean, Stevie wonder growing up and, and dealing with, um, dealing with life in general. Uh, the song speaks to, you know, the black community and what they've gone through and what they're going, you know, what they went through at that period of time. So it, it inspires me to, to look beyond myself, um, look beyond my world. Um, but, but as a musician, it definitely continues to continues. I mean, decade, you know, I'd say over a decade and a half of listening to this album, it continues to inspire me to to grow as a songwriter, as a guitarist, as an overall musician, and to say that you know it's like I'll never be Stevie Wonder, but you know at least I can touch a little bit of you know maybe I can find maybe I can touch a little bit about a, a little bit of that emotion, um, a little bit of the complexity that that he he was able to um, to give musically here. Um, you know, if I pick up something else besides guitar, if I play, you know, keyboards or I play, you know, it's like I pick up and whatever I'm doing in the studio, you know, pick up a different instrument, uh, actually put that touch onto it that Stevie did, uh, and put that heart and soul. Um, but it inspires me to continue to push, you know, push music as, as instrumentation, whatever that instrumentation may be, whether it be synth lines, or, you know, creating, you know, beats, um, but to be able to push that, that musicianship back into the forefront. Um, I mean, this album speaks in so many different ways. It's, it's absolutely incredible to, to see how, how iconic it, it has been across ages and generations and decades and, um, between TV film, just listening. I mean, you know, it won, so many awards for absolute good reason. That's beautiful. Last but not least, I'd like to ask this question of every everybody here that comes on the program. And it, it specifically has to do with artwork. And uh, as we know, we live in this universe where everything is, you know, including music is easily accessed in the palm of our hand or uh, with a click of a few buttons. And, 
you know, even in this wild, uh, often chaotic 21st century, artwork remains a cornerstone with every uh, released mm-hmm. single, every every album that's that's out there in the universe. Artwork is always, you know, playing some type of supporting medium. And, uh, you know, Corey, I want to ask you what when you when you look at the album cover, what is conjured up in your mind just just from, you know, from your perspective, whether it's visually or, yeah, whether it's whether it's visually or just, I don't know, what 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 happens when you look at this? Does it take you to a certain place in your life? Does it um, does it, you know, you know, the, the album is called Songs in the Key of Life. You know, does it just project positivity? What's what's happening here on the front cover? So. I love how music in general um, can take us back to a period of time in our lives, but I love how art can do that just as much, which makes cover art art. And this always takes me back. Uh, this definitely takes me back to college uh, when I was first um, in college and I lived in Athens and I was listening to this record almost exclusively in some, in some instances. And, you know, it's like it, it, the, the album just reminds me of, you know, getting through those moments in my life. Um, the album artwork is, is simple, but it's bright. And it just, it, it kind of releases that emotion that it just, it, you know, it, it, it screams, it screams simplicity. You can, you can hear, you know, through the complexity of the music, through the, um, you know, the architecture, if you will, of the the melodies and the compositions. You you hear, you still hear simple messages. Sure, we, you hear yeah. you hear messages, timeless messages. You know, messages that are universal. Um, and I think the album art kind of marries that that message very well. There are a lot of sunburst colors on the front cover, and. It's almost like there's there's either a peeling of layers, or it's or or at least from my vantage point, it's um, it almost looks like you're looking at the top of a rose, and you're seeing all of these individual petals. And I was thinking that, and it's an interesting choice of uh, of writing or font. It's it is cursive, and there's a certain formality that's associated with cursive. And I wonder if it like speaks to the sophistication perhaps of the music that you are about to experience. It's, it's beautiful and it's simplicity, but at the same time, it has a sort of like uh, some ornate characteristics to the songs. Oh, absolutely. What do you, what do you, what do you think? Oh, I, I completely agree. 100%. Yeah. I was, I, I was looking at it and it does look like, you know, rose petals, um, pre-bloom you know in a way yeah you know so you know it's like you've got the complexity of you know each petal you know and layers layers and layers and layers of of um petals you know representing layers of music and layers of story and layers of message um you know that are that are painted through this album Corey, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you today and talk about stevie wonders 1976 brilliant effort songs in the key of life thank you so very much thank you my friend absolutely all right thanks so much to Corey welsh for being on with us today for all of you listeners out there thank you and please remember to hit that subscribe button on your favorite device in which you listen to your favorite podcast whether it's apple google play stitcher or 
tune in. Give us a review on Apple or Stitcher. It really helps us. Take a moment to tell friends and family about our show and feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. And we hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.